Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new video. Tonight, we're diving into three extremely strange unsolved mysteries. So, sit back, relax, and let's begin. We begin with the stories of Hanging Rock. Hanging Rock, at a glance, seems to be nothing more than a marvel of nature. It was once an active volcano, but now towers over nearly everything around it, standing at 718 meters, or 2,355 feet above sea level. It's located in Victoria, Australia, between Newham and Hesket, only a few miles from Melbourne. Over the many years, it's become an incredibly popular tourist attraction, but it wasn't really thrust into the public until the novel Picnic at Hanging Rock by Joan Lindsay. Published in 1967, the book tells the story of a group of girls staying at a boarding school in the year 1900. One day, they venture out with a teacher to have, well, a picnic at Hanging Rock. The students and the teacher are never to be seen again. The book was immensely successful and ended up receiving a film, theater adaption, radio play, and even a miniseries based upon it. That amount of coverage led some to wonder if it had any basis in reality. The short answer? No, it doesn't. The author herself has come forward to say that numerous times, although her answers are often sometimes vague. When asked about it in 1974, she said, well, it was written as a mystery, and it remains a mystery. If you can draw your own conclusions, that's fine, but I don't think that it matters. I wrote that book as sort of a atmosphere of a place, and it was like dropping a stone into the water. I felt that story, that if you call it a story, that the thing that happened on St. Valentine's Day went on spreading out and out and out in circles. Furthermore, there are no records of anyone going missing at Hanging Rock in that time frame. With that said, could Joan have known something we didn't? In a chapter released after her passing, the story ends quite differently than it does in the original. With that said, could Joan have known something that we didn't? In a chapter released after her passing, the story ends quite differently than it does in the original novel, and seems to give it a little more closure albeit supernatural. In short, the final chapter depicts the young girl seeing some kind of time warp atop hanging rock. From there, a woman appears before turning into a crab and heading into the hole in the side of the rock. A quote from the final page speaks about Irma, quote, tearing and beating at the gritty face on the boulder with her bare hands. So it would seem that, according to this novel, there is some kind of time warp on top of Hanging Rock. Of course, this novel is fictional, as we stated before, but that hasn't stopped many from taking it literally. Many articles and blogs chronicle their trips to Hanging Rock, framing them as if they're visiting a forgotten crime scene. In the end, though, it's important to remember that the story is categorized as fiction 
despite what may be reported. Speaking of reports, along with the idea of a time warp, Hanging Rock is also an incredibly popular spot for UFO enthusiasts, as it seems to be a hot spot. One man, a tourist who was visiting Hanging Rock with his family, snapped this photo. He said in his statement, quote, It appears blurred in a couple of other photos. The strange thing is, I did not actually notice it at the time of taking the photographs. I did have a telepathic message come over me while I was walking on the rock. I can see you. He also touches on the fact that it looks metallic, and while not saucer-shaped, it doesn't appear to have the outline of any aircraft I've ever seen. Even stranger is what the person claims later in their statement. They claimed that there was an object embedded under their tongue and believed they'd been abducted. This object, which they drew a picture of, fell out only days after the sighting. They go on to say it, quote, "...flew from my hand and disappeared between the floorboards." I heard an electrical noise, like an electrical short or power plug spark, and presumed that it self-disintegrated. That's a pretty convenient excuse, in my opinion. Finally, this person makes claims of strange markings on their body, but I've not been able to find any kind of follow-up to this story, or photos corroborating this. So, what do you make of all these stories? Do you believe the novel Picnic at Hanging Rock has any basis in reality? What do you think about the strange UFO sightings and supposed time warp? Let me know what you think, and a big thank you to Shelby for her recommendation. This was a fun one to look into. Next, I want to talk about the Aylin Moore Lighthouse Keepers. Now, this is one of those mysteries that I've seen in passing, but never looked into for whatever reason. Now, thanks to the recommendation, I'm finally taking a look. The story begins on December 26, 1900, when Captain James Harvey made his way with one crewman, Joseph Moore, to the island of Aylin Moore. They docked the boat, sounded the horn, but there was no response. This was expected, as, aside from the occasional lighthouse keeper, the island wasn't home to anyone. Joseph made his way up to the keeper's house, and all the while noted that he'd felt uneasy. This was pushed away as nothing more than queasiness at the time, but just a few moments later, those uneasy feelings found footing. At the door to the lighthouse is where things began to get strange. Firstly, the lighthouse's door was unlocked and three coats were missing. In the kitchen, food was left on the table and a chair seemed to have been pushed over or knocked over, almost as if someone was leaving in a hurry. And the clock in the kitchen had also stopped. Throughout the lighthouse, there was no sign of the keepers who'd been there before, no clothes or belongings. Captain Harvey even went as far to search the islands around Island Moor, but still, no one was found. The captain sent a telegraph that was forwarded to the Northern Lighthouse Board headquarters. Some of that telegraph said, A dreadful accident has happened at Flannan's. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. 
On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. He goes on to say, The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows. They must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned, trying to secure a crane or something like that. The captain seems to offer little in the form of an explanation other than they must have drowned, but that doesn't seem to be the case. A few days following the discovery of the empty lighthouse, Robert Muirhead, the NLB superdance, went out to explore the lighthouse himself. He came across much of what the captain had seen, along with one other thing. The lighthouse's logbook. It's said that the final few entries are incredibly strange. It began on December 12th with Thomas Marshall, one of the three men there, writing about an incredible storm passing through. He describes it as, quote, severe winds the lengths of which I have never seen before in 20 years. He later states that two of the other men with him, James Ducott and the principal keeper, were eerily quiet, and William MacArthur, a well-versed sailor and brawler back on the mainland, was crying. The following day, the storm was said to still be over the island, and all three of the men were praying for their lives. Many find this strange, as with them being situated in a lighthouse 45 meters or 150 feet above sea level, they would have been totally fine. The last entry from the men came on the 15th of December, and it only said, Storm ended, sea calm. God is overall. Many online have speculated what this last line could have meant. Did it simply mean that the storm passed and he was thanking God? Was there a ray of sun coming through the clouds that looked ethereal? Or, and this is where things get strange, what if the men were abducted by aliens? Let's talk about more plausible theories first, though. As the captain stated in his original telegraph, the men could have simply drowned. Near the landing platform, there were ropes scattered across the ground. These ropes are meant to hold a crate above the platform on a supply crane. The crew could have attempted to fix a dislodged crane and were swept away. But there are many things that go against this. The main thing is that there were no reports of storms in that area at the time of the writings, meaning the sea would have been very calm. Other strange things include the fact that one of the men's coats was left behind in December. There's no good reason someone would be outside with no coats in December. And what about the overturned chair, half-eaten food and clock that seemed to have stopped out of nowhere? Now we can get back to the idea of an alien abduction. In many UFO sightings, electronics are said to act strangely. Along with this, lost time is also reported. Some kind of interference, like that from an extraterrestrial, could have caused it to malfunction and stop. Furthermore, the God is overall statement could have been the bright lights often associated with UFO encounters. Many other theories have been posted about the strange happenings on the island, like that of an ancient civilization of little people who were said to inhabit the island. These little people are said to be fairies, elves, or pixies, common creatures in Scottish folklore. Perhaps they were taken away by these small creatures, never to be seen again. 
Or is there a more logical explanation, though? Or do you believe that this is a documented UFO abduction? Let me know what you think in the comments, and thank you to Margaret for the suggestion. Finally, I want to touch on the mysteries of Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta is one of the most picturesque peaks in all of North America, known for its astonishing height, 4,322 meters, or 14,179 feet above sea level. It is also surrounded by numerous mysteries. Natives in the area say the mountain emits a sort of mystical power that gives off harmony and peace. Other believe it's home to an underground base that houses extraterrestrials and possibly UFOs. Other claims say that the peak is an entrance to a fifth dimension. Finally, a writer in 1884, Frederick Oliver, claimed there could be tunnels inside the mountain that house ancient inhabitants from Atlantis. All these strange theories and stories do have some basis in reality, though. Strange happenings have been reported on the mountain since the 1930s. It began in 1931 when a wildfire erupted on the mountain. This is sadly nothing new for California. However, the fire was said to have been put out by a mist that seemingly came from nothing. Those who saw it at the time reported seeing a definitive line from where the mist began and ended. This mist that was described could have been a lenticular cloud, as seen here. A local historian, Bill Mice, who also lives at the base of the mountain, says that they're very common, mostly in the colder months. Of course, wildfires aren't common around this time, but keep in mind that he said these clouds are most common in the winter and fall. It is impossible for them to appear in the summer or spring. Either way, they are quite strange to see. Other sky anomalies include the numerous UFOs reported at or around the peak of Mount Shasta. One man captured this photo while driving past. It looks as if some kind of craft or pair of crafts are flying in a circle at a very high speed. If you look at the one on the left, you can see it appears to be blurry in the photo, most likely due to its speed. Along with the possible UFOs, extraterrestrials are said to walk about the trails leading to the peak and even in towns around Mount Shasta. The final bit of strange happenings is that of the disappearances on the mountain. There are many tellings of a three-year-old boy who was with his family one minute and, quote, gone within a second. The entire site was searched and many were interviewed, but the boy eventually turned up back on his own. He told everyone he'd been abducted by a robot double of his grandmother and taken to a cave filled with spiders. The whole story continues to get stranger, though. The grandmother claimed to have woken up outside of her tent, face down in the dirt, with what she assumed to be spider bites on the back of her neck. She also reported feeling emotionless. A friend of hers, who was in a separate camper, also had a spider bite on their neck. The final bit of info surrounding this particular case is the report of red eyes being seen in the forest near their camp. The campers reportedly ignored them, saying that they thought it was just deer. Could these red eyes have been some kind of 
extraterrestrial watching over the campsite, or was it a figment of their imagination? What about the strange abduction of the child and the spider bites on the grandmother's neck? Lastly, why would she have woken up outside of the tent in the dirt face down? So many questions and very little answers. Let me know what you make of this in the comments below, and big, big thanks to Landon for the suggestion. Just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who sat down and watched this video tonight. It was a fun one. A lot of these are more lighthearted mysteries for the most part, and it was interesting to dive in and kind of, you know, let reality slip away for a little bit. Again, thank you to everyone who made a suggestion. If your suggestion wasn't in this video, it might be in the next one. And if you want to make a suggestion yourself, be sure to subscribe because I hold polls and ask for suggestions constantly on my community tab. And if you subscribe, you'll be able to see that. Next, I want to give a quick thank you to all of my $10 patrons and three of the most recent channel members. Everyone on screen now is supporting the channel monthly and keeping this thing afloat, and I honestly could not thank you all enough. If you're looking for extra content and um, early content, head over to my Patreon and pledge, or you can become a channel member and get videos early as well, whichever one you see fit. Anyway. That is going to do it for me tonight, everyone. I hope you had a great time sitting down and watching this video. I hope you have a great rest of your day or the rest of your night. And as always, stay safe out there.